Alright, looks like we're live. Heck yeah. Uh, apparently there's been some debate over what you're going to show up wearing today, Marty. There has. Did anyone win? Did anyone have a red, red shirt with t-shirt? I think some people think, were thinking you were going to wear a Hawaiian shirt. I have a lot of Hawaiian a, shirts. Or a cardigan. I, I, I like that. Uh, I'm hoping that my uh, clothing choice on streams inspires people to grow crippling gambling editions in the audience. So that's all I hope for. No one bet on what I'd be wearing, I notice. Were they? <laughs> well, was that because you're a man of mystery or because it was, it was kind of easy? Because I always wear a black shirt with yeah. uh, a dog on it. That's true. Did you get a new camera? Everything, you look fancier. No. Uh, I might have upped the resolution since I got the new computer. Okay. Gotcha. Oh, don't mind oh, me. Toffee's, just, uh... Toffee's got the uh, cone of shame. That's yeah. perfect. Yeah, he's had his dew claws off. Kind of him chewing uh, his stitches. You were worried that Toffee was going to die under anesthesia. And look at this. Well... Toffee seems great. I'd heard it happened. It, I'm, I'm sure it's happened in the past. That can't be good. But anyway, welcome to Slightly Something Else, everyone. I'm Yancy Croshaw. I'm joined by Marty Sleever. Well, Who's uh, apparently going to be playing Metal Gear Solid 4 and Revengeance, if you pony up the cash. Going yeah, by the, Casey's uh, going to be little, going through those. Going by the little banner we've got set up Ca right now. Casey's become a, uh, a Metal Gear fan, which, I'm, which I'm, I'm, I, for one, am happy about. One of my favorite things in 2022 is Casey finally learning the complete that shittery of uh, Metal Gear Solid, so good for it's him. Easy, it's easy to get weirdly fascinated if you just keep playing Metal Gear Solid, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, like, uh, it, it's one of those things where he's feeling like, I don't know if it's good, but I'm really enjoying it, and I want to know what happens next, which is perfect. But the subject <laughs> of this week's discussion is uh, roguelites. Yep. Apropos of very little, except that Cult of the Lamb's out this week, but then there's always some kind of roguelite out on Steam at basically any given moment. Yeah, I feel like that's become over the past, uh, I don't know, generation or so, seven or eight years, that's become a genre that it feels like, um, it, it now feels like when someone says a new indie game is climbing up the Steam charts, there is a 50-50 uh, chance it's either a Souls-like or a roguelike. Or a survival crafting thing. Or a survival crafting thing. Something that you craft stuff out of bits of wood with. And, yeah, uh, or fun you, you... Funnily enough, oh, Cult ahead. of the Lamb uh, covers a couple of bases there, in that it's both a roguelike and a game about uh, building stuff from bits of wood you find. Yeah, I was about to say, one of the nice things about, about roguelikes slash lights... Also, we don't have to talk about... I saw, I saw you too. We don't have to talk about the difference between roguelites and roguelites, right? Everyone knows that. We're, we're good. We don't, this I, isn't going to be one of those semantic I think it's things. a topic best not explored. Let's just say when, we're to, when we say roguelite, we mean procedural game. Yes. Uh, usually yep. with some kind of dungeon-crawly aspect, but not necessarily. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it is um, a pretty, it is a properly, pretty popular subgenre especially among the indies. And I think you kind of need to be doing a bit more than just the procedural element these days to stand out because there's so many of them. It, at the mm -hmm. moment, it's a race to sort of see what has yet to be combined with roguelite elements. Yeah, that's the thing is it's almost like uh, it, it is now a, a, a condiment that can be yeah. used heavily in, in any main dish. And we're trying to see like, ooh, does it work in X? Does it work in Y? You know, we saw earlier this year, ooh, how does it work in a third person bullet hell shooter like uh, Returnal or... See, my perspective know, uh, on this, Marty, is that mm -hmm. 
making a game roguelite with procedural maps might be easier than making a game with actual crafted maps. I've made yeah. a roguelite and it was really easy. You just yeah. lay out a few algorithms and then pull the lever and you can have as many levels as you want. Yeah, so is it the does the difficulty then come in creating the sort of algorithm that makes sure each level is good as opposed to like, well, here's a level. If it's, if it's not great, maybe the next one will be like if this if this seed is kind of screwing you over, maybe the next one won't. When you say good, I suppose what we mean is varied. Yeah, the challenge yeah. is to the challenge always with the roguelite is to make every new playthrough unique. Yeah, and yeah. I, and I, in experience, has taught me that you can't really do that with just level design. Yeah, it was someone, I don't know who said this, someone smarter than me said uh, uh, there's a difference because traditional games can have really good level design. So mm -hmm. games with like, you know, bespoke levels have good, can have good level design. But uh, what a roguelike can do is have good encounter design. Yeah. Um, yeah, where it sort of presents a, a handful of, you know, as you play the game, you learn that there are so many variables and modifiers that you're going to have to uh, overcome. And, and once you learn that, then those can be thrown at you in any order to create a good encounter, a good and memorable encounter that you're able to react to. I think what it comes down to is, as with so many other things, the primary gameplay loop. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's uh, that, that's kind of king right there, right? Is well, you're getting to... you got all your calls got all weird on me. Oh, my call, was... my call's fine on me. Oh wait, it went back to normal. Uh oh, oh we, were getting, was... we were getting robot talk from you for a bit there. That's not good. I do not want to be in robot talk. Do I sound good now? Uh, yeah, you sound fine now. Okay, apologize for the robot talk. Uh, so yes, yeah, so what you were saying? Um. Uh, yeah, that it all like gameplay is king, right? When it comes to this, like, uh, yes. uh, it, which is funny because in, in a lot of games, I really like, I think one of our debates when we were talking about Stray the other week was you said, I want that gameplay is king and that this, mm -hmm. that Stray didn't uh, uh, push sort of gameplay, exciting gameplay of being a cat enough. And then my thing was like, well, I like experiential games. And I felt like the experience of being a cat was nice. Whereas roguelikes seem to be so much about the gameplay mm. and less about the experience because it almost feels like the experience needs to be a handcrafted thing. Well, as you say, it can't really get by on level design because the level design yeah. is probably going to suck. So you really want to create a sort of uh, central grind that's fun and satisfying to play mm -hmm. so that people will be motivated to keep doing it. And I think the procedural element needs to extend to that. To, in answer to the question, how not do a roguelike, I think a lot of games have made the mistake of just rearranging the layout of rooms and levels, but the gameplay mm -hmm. is always the same. Chasm did that, amongst others. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you told me Chasm was like procedurally generated after the fact, I'd probably... For, wouldn't have guessed. Yeah, I, play, I played yeah. it. A, I played it a second time to see if it felt any different, and it absolutely did not. It was just the same rooms, but in a different order. That's interesting. And I think the really strong roguelites of our time, like your Binding of Isaac, like mm -hmm. your Spelunky, mm -hmm. like your uh, Toad Jam and Earl, which a lot of people forget was a roguelite. That, I mean, that, so that had a that was. Probably the first roguelite I ever played. Possibly, before yeah. I knew what the hell that was. Yeah. 
But they all bring the procedural element into the central game mechanics because uh, you, especially in something like Binding of Isaac, you get vastly different abilities depending on mm -hmm. what pickups you get along the course of things. Uh, it randomizes the effect of all the potions. Uh, uh, there's a great variety of monsters. I think roguelites often live and die on variety. Just having enough variety to make everything feel a bit different. Yeah, and it's interesting because there's a, there, there are some that... Um as soon as you start the game, the entire pool of variables are on the table. And then there's others that, as you play, start sort of kneading in more and more either, you know, possible weapons or possible equipment or abilities for you or possible enemies to encounter. Um, and that's not necessarily in the, like, you know, oh, some progress actually holds over and, and like, Hades, you're getting new abilities and everything. Uh, but this is more of, like, I don't know. Do you think these games should throw you into the deep end? Like, how do you how do you tutorialize a, a, a roguelike? Like, how do you tutorialize something that will ultimately be a series of random encounters? Well, I guess the thing to do is just keep it simple. Again, like the Binding of Isaac, you move around and you shoot. Yeah, and everything else you just sort of pick up on the fly from that solid core. Mm hmm. When you get a new weapon, you just try it out once, and then you go, oh, well, that's how that works. Yeah, yeah. But then what about, I mean, how, how do you feel about the, like, uh, Returnal? Which didn't, Returnal. you know, yeah, Returnal didn't, uh, didn't give you all of your tools right away. It started off very basic and sort of, you know, that was one of those games where, like Hades, the roguelike conceit is built into the narrative itself. Yeah, And so the story kind of feeds into the roguelike nature of the game, and the game kind of couldn't work if it weren't a roguelike. Well, uh, it's nice to have some kind of progression path, I suppose. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what all I, I tend to ask for in a game, is that there's a sense that you're making progress, and that you've achieved something at the end of it. Excuse me. You like that, do you like that progress coming from you as the player getting better because you are armed with more knowledge like in spelunky you know how to read a situation because you've encountered x y and z or do you like that progression to come in um like rogue legacy say to where okay i've played enough times to where i have all these different classes and i have more health and i can do more damage and i now feel like i'm more fully prepared for um i feel like a roguelike challenge i feel like we need to be working towards an ending that probably comes from my narrative design specialization in that mm -hmm. ending is a crucial element of narrative. I feel yeah. like the motivation I need to keep upgrading myself and uh, progressing is to make myself stronger for the final encounter. And I that, I'm not... that strength should be tools that the game gives you, not I am now better at the game so I can make it all the way through Super Mario Brothers 1 because I'm good at the game now. I guess mm -hmm. it at least uh, uh, creates a bit more variety. Not the sort of person yeah. who can just play the same game 90 times a day, like some speedrunners. Yeah, those those people are they're, they're, uh, created a different way, I think, than the rest of us. So. They're, they're a mad bunch. <laughs> they truly are. It's very impressive, but uh, uh, very, uh, a strange little bunch. Um, I liked how I, I never got that into FTL. I know you did, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I never got into FTL. However, I got into Into the Breach, 
which is by mm-hmm. the same folks. And one thing I really liked in Into the Breach was how the only thing that would carry over in between runs are that you were able to choose one unit to bring into your next run. Hmm. And so it f- f- had a little bit of sort of the XCOM of, okay, I, I have a history with this unit, um, and so I, I'm, I'm able to bring them, you know, the next time I play. But by virtue of you only bringing the one unit, there's a good chance they're not going to make it through the next one. And so at that point, like, you know, you're, you you don't grow so attached that you're like, this is my main character, but you um, are kind of rewarded with a carrot on a stick where you... It gives you that. Oh, let me just do one more, one more run, like one more run tonight. And I feel like that's ultimately kind of the roguelike thing is to get you feeling that loop to yeah. where you know all of a sudden you look up and, you're, and it's three in the morning. And you're like, oh, I need to, I need to work at seven. Why have I done this? Yeah, I think um, Nightmare Reaper does something similar. That's a roguelike retro style boomer shooter uh, okay, where you I pick up like one. you pick up like all kinds of guns, like randomly mm-hmm. generated guns on each level. Uh, and at the end of each level, you can pick one to take with you to the next level. Interesting. Yeah, so... I mean, I, at that point, like... Is it into the next level or into the next run? Like, Into the next level. Uh, the next level. Reaper is sort of a fixed progress game. Once you've beaten okay. a level, when you die, you just restart that level from the start. You don't start gotcha, the whole game gotcha. from scratch. Yeah, yeah. But the levels are procedural. Because yeah, couldn't be bothered to lay them out properly. (laughs) Because that's the sort of gameplay... Because, like, Boomer Shooter gameplay, that's the sort of thing that can benefit from, like, the procedural design, because it is all about the moment-to-moment gameplay. And when you play something like Doom Eternal, Doom 2016, the shootouts certainly start to feel a bit samey. Yeah. So at that point, if it's just all about the shootouts, you might as well just make a procedural element. In fact, you know what? I think... If you've got a strong gameplay loop and you're making like a full-on game with it, you mm-hmm. might as well just add a procedural like dungeon creator, like what Bloodborne did. Yeah, you can the have the like, dungeons. Yeah, the challenge dungeons. You can have the full-on game and then for every people who want to grind and want to like uh, just enjoy the combat loop, just have a procedural thing. That's and the Mementos in Persona 5 as well. Yeah, and Persona's been doing that since, uh, you know, like uh, Persona 3, that entire dungeon in that is called Tartarus. Well, I, it's a giant tower you go up, and that whole thing is, every floor is procedurally generated. Well, I say that because, as I said, I don't think procedural level design can carry a game by itself anymore. Yeah, I think, it's, I think and... you should just have it on the side as a little, like, side dish for those people who may be interested. Yeah, so... Yeah. I, I do think it almost works as a, you know, if we were going with the condiment thing earlier, where is it, it can kind of be put on anything. Like there was a, that game, Nobody Saves the World earlier this year, which um, was very much sort of like a classic yes. top-down Zelda-esque action RPG. And all of the stuff in the overworld and the characters you meet and the quests you go on are all, um, you know, handcrafted. Yeah. Like yeah. every time Fixed. you play them, it's going to be there. Yeah. But when you go into a dungeon the dungeon becomes procedurally generated. And yeah, so yeah. every time you step into a dungeon, it's different than the last time. And, you know, the elements of the enemies might be different and the traps might be different. And that was almost like, wasn't Diablo like that? Or was Diablo bespoke? No, Diablo had the dungeon. I don't know. Right? I was different for a big Diablo, one? Diablo player. I think certain Diablo games have gone, have done the thing where there's like a, 
fixed overworld and randomized dungeons in it. Yeah, I don't know, chat, though. I've let, never let been me know big, if Diablo, if the dungeons are like that. Yeah. So here's a question. Mm-hmm. Do you think when you make a roguelite, it's on you to create the procedural elements in such a way that every possible uh, playthrough has a similar level of challenge? Or do you allow the possibility for one player to get completely overpowered or a different role to be completely underpowered? And if you're really playing the game for wanting surprises and wanting something new every time, wouldn't you want it that way? Wouldn't you want certain, instead of all runs feeling balanced, wouldn't you want to go in not knowing if this is going to be you playing on ultra hard mode or you being able to have sort of a cakewalk and, and, you know, high step your way to the credits? I feel like I keep bringing this game up, but Binding of Isaac certainly had that feel. Sometimes I feel like I was just, I'd just be replaying the game waiting for the one run where everything makes me really basically unkillable. Yeah, and I think that's ultimately almost, uh, you know, any any uh, roguelike that has, you know, sort of modifiers that you get throughout throughout a single run um, is ultimately going to have a combination of where it's like, oh, shit, this combo is, you know, what I need to be able to sort of create a, a god tank and, and mm-hmm. make it through. And I definitely know, like, I had um, Hades runs that were the same way where it's like, okay, I have enough modifiers that... Like I, I, I could tell very early that this is going to be one of those runs, and then if I end up dying on that run, I'm like, shit, I wasted a perfect opportunity. Like this was my opportunity to 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 beat Hades for the first time, and I squandered it because I'm I'm not going to get these kind of uh, these kind of random rolls again. Mm. Yeah, when you do like try to make everything balanced from run to run, uh, that's when just things just feel bland. When you get yeah. to your chasm sort of scenario. Yeah, man, you really didn't like Castle, did you? Uh, it's the one that comes to mind. Well, it's because I reviewed it. And when I think of examples of roguelites where I didn't feel like the procedural element helped at all, Mm -hmm. that's what leaps to mind. Yeah. I'm sure there's plenty of other examples. Oh, yeah. I I never really got along with Enter the Gungeon. But that is an extremely popular one, right? Enter the Gungeon. I know, yeah. I just feel like... Because, well, it's it's in the name, isn't it? You, You only use guns. And yeah, I felt yeah. like the variety of guns didn't really add much variety to the moment-to-moment gameplay. It never really got away from point at the enemies and click. Yeah. So, like, you thought it kind of lacked the, uh, like, an, an evolving depth that you wanted to see from the game? I guess. Yeah. Maybe I just didn't give enough chance. I think other, another thing with the the... We tend to only talk about the sort of the the very popular and well reviewed roguelikes and roguelites. Mm-hmm. There, there's plenty that come and go and are completely forgotten about. But like, you know, well, one of the best or one of the most talked about games this year has probably been the Vampire Survivor from earlier this year, and that was a you know a really big kind of lo-fi um, roguelite. But I, uh, I, yeah, I'd hesitate to call it a roguelike because it's almost like it didn't have levels; it just had a big empty space. <sighs> Where you fall things in, yeah. But I guess the how it throws the things at you are where the difference comes in, right? Like how it presents its enemies at you. Mm. It's okay. less about procedurally generated levels, and again, oh, I guess encounters. Just it's it's randomly generating what kind of enemies come at you and where, and what kind of power ups you can get and when. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, but that definitely feels like a game we were talking like uh, that game was able to exist because the randomness in creating a roguelike allowed them to make a game on a very small budget. Yeah, because as I say, it's a lot easier than having to craft all the levels. Yeah. Just got to craft an algorithm. Which can be tricky algorithms in itself. Algorithms also seem hard. Yeah, algorithms also seem very, very difficult. They seem very confusing. I mean, have um, you ever, how, how would one plot out a random dungeon? I'll tell you what I uh, did. I'd like, um, when I was making my roguelike game, The Consuming Shadow, uh, I'd just uh, have the code sort of start at, like, one of the edges of, like, the grid, the room grid, mm-hmm. and just, like, move one space in one direction create a room, move on space in another direction, create a room. Then after a certain number of rooms, I'd just, I'd have the path split and send okay. it off in a couple of other a couple of different directions to create different paths. And sometimes the paths would intersect and sometimes they didn't. That was the random draw. Yeah, yeah. So, like, how do you... And then I guess with... It's interesting, the roguelike games that end up having sort of early access to tweak their algorithm like hades is always the one i think of mm. is that uh, super giant's been on record of saying like their algorithm kind of didn't work at first but then through player testing with early access they were able to really refine it and i think that's one of the reasons that well know, the game yeah ended up becoming so popular in a lot of people's sort of first roguelikes that they completed it certainly is one of the genres that would most benefit from early access in that you're not really spoiling too much because no, no. every dungeon's unique. Ostensibly. Yeah, yeah. And, it's, and uh, when you have that many procedural elements, uh, you need to do a lot of testing because there's always a chance that a specific combination of procedural elements will cause a bug. And you wouldn't know because only like one in a thousand playthroughs would combine those two elements. Sure, sure. Or a combination ends up yielding something really interesting and you're like, ooh, this mm. is something we should kind of look into and maybe try to like push a little bit more onto uh onto players encounters and stuff is there a uh we talked uh at the top about how so many different genres have kind of um glommed on to rogue aspects you know whether it's uh platformers like uh spelunky or sort of the 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 tactics games like into the breach or even you know cult of the lamb has sort of animal crossing ish village and if you could call it that the animal management stuff, but also with you going out and, and, and murdering things in the middle of a jun- uh, of a forest. I, I call it pretty straightforward micromanagey city builder stuff. Yeah, which is yeah, yeah. It doesn't. I guess it, it it doesn't have you putting your thumb stamp of personality on it, like um, yeah, not really. Yeah, like Animal Crossing does. Yeah, I guess yeah. It's, City management. I think that's a better way to put yeah. it. Yeah, with a lot um, of like, my, uh, yeah micro city management, where you have to yeah. personally pick up all the poos. Yeah, <laughs> can't build like an outside. You got to get like three layers deep into the tech tree before you can build a fucking outhouse. Yeah. Until then, it's just you having to pick up everyone's shit. Is that a big? That's just going to become a big uh, a big thing in your uh, ZPs. Is is you're only going to cover games that that involve feces? From now well. On? Not to give away this week's review or anything. And so, yeah, you know, those kind of genres. And even something strange like, did you ever play Downwell? I think we might have talked about that the other week. I did, yes. It's funny, a lot of people like say roguelike when they really mean Infinite Runner. Yeah, I guess it was Cannabalt. Was that a... Cannabalt was an Infinite Runner. 
And I'd yeah. say Downwell was as well. An infinite faller? If you like. Uh, do you think there is a genre that rogue elements could work well in? But uh, Ooh, That's the question, isn't it? That's the million-dollar question, because everyone's looking for the next big thing to slap roguelike elements into. Yeah. All right, let's think about that. Uh, point-click adventure games have been done with uh, the Yoda stories and Indiana Jones and his desktop adventures <laughs> thing. I think our streams are the number one purveyor of bringing up Yoda stories and Indiana Jones desktop adventures, which I'm personally happy with. So, roguelite FPS are done. Roguelite thief-style stealth games. Has there been one of those? There's a game coming out very soon called Gloomwood. Is that right? That is. I think it is a thief-style game, and I believe it's procedurally generated. I might be wrong. I, I haven't played the demo yet, but I thought they mentioned that in um, whatever the last showing was. Hang on. Gloomwood. On and that comes out relatively soon, I know. Uh, it just says it's a stealth survival horror immersive sim. Oh, actually, there was a game not too long ago that was like an immersive, a roguelike immersive sim with random, like, randomly generated like heist levels. It wasn't very good. Okay, gotcha. Uh, uh, oh, Sergio in the chat says, "Pray Moon Crash." I guess that's. I was gonna say, do are, are immersive sims and rogue elements like oil and water? Like, can those go together ever? Because it feels always to me like immersive sims need to be handcrafted worlds that give you enough tools to go through event. As, as well, there was say. that Streets of Rogue thing. There was Streets of Rogue. Yeah, I think the I think the guys played it for Hidden Gems lately. So I'm a little distracted because I looked up the uh, the Rogue Light tag on Steam. Yeah. And one of the games on like the new releases, new and trending list was something called Nyaruru Fishy Fight. Mm, that sounds like a good one. It sounds that sounds like, like one. Yeah, it's not something you'd like. <laughs> why? Why does that feel like an insult? <laughs> what's What's in the top selling? Elden Ring. <laughs> See, now my worry is that this is becoming a tag. You just put out everything. Yeah. Because people are going to look up. Tags. Yeah. Elden yeah. Ring's not a roguelite, you, you steam-using twats. Okay. Words, get past words the, don't mean anything anymore. Get past the number one spot. Things get more sensible. we got Dead Cells. we got Risk of Rain 2. Crypt of the Necrodancer. Binding of Isaac. Something called Plate Up. Love Plate Up. Cult of the Lamb, of course. Although that's not mm -hmm. out yet. For, for the plebs, I mean. And uh, Hades, naturally. Yeah. Oh, and then, I mean, in, oh, and in recent here as years, well. piss off. That's again, lies, just pure lies. Um, you know, we had sort of the the deck building uh, yeah. road games like uh, inscriptions uh, here. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Monster Train. Um, you know, we had big ones like uh, Risk of Rain and and Don't Starve and Nuclear Throne and uh, Dead Cells. So. I feel like it's one of those things where those those games are oftentimes the most talked about games indies of the year over the past uh, you know X amount of years. Loop Hero that was that was one I really liked. Um, do we see those in in the AAA space that must, outside of Returnal? Can you think of like a big sort of a, a big big budget you know on stage at a conference kind of first party thing? I don't. Like, I'm trying to think of. of Bloodborne and its chalice dungeons. Yeah, yeah. So more of like an element of the game as opposed to being the game proper. Because you gotta have the the crafted elements. They can show it off in the gameplay trailers. That's true. I guess. How would you do a like? Not would Naughty Dog like you know 
open up an instance of a la of a of a you know uh randomly generated last of us encounter not knowing if it's gonna completely bork out well don't give them ideas um i think they, it's too late i think they've already took it i always I think, think like something that might benefit from a roguelike layout would be something like a multiplayer shooter because those things are already based around like repeating the central gameplay loop over and over and over again Imagine like something like Counter-Strike, but on it was like a different map every time, so you couldn't memorize like the best places to go. That could be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Having to, having part of a, of a competitive shooter be needing to immediately learn the map as opposed to I've learned the map over the last 300 hours. Kind of oh, thing. Richard in the chat is very emphatically trying to get us to see that due process is apparently CSGO with procedural maps. I wouldn't know. I don't really That's play multiplayer no. shooters. Um, yeah, process. Um, what was I going to mention? If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape... You can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. I've forgotten. Have, uh, has Nintendo ever dabbled in, in procedurally generated stuff that you can think of? Uh, I feel like they I must can't. have done. I mean, they've done like the, there was the um, Cadence of Hyrule, which was, I mean, that wasn't yeah. Nintendo. That was the Necrodancer um, kind of spinoff thing. But like, I can't think of a Zelda game doing that. I can't think of a Mario game doing that. You know, you had, I guess, Mario Maker, but that was obviously handcrafted stuff. And they kind of had the, yeah. the rules in that of the game has to be finished or the level has to be able to be completed in order for you to, you know, set it live. I guess they've always been more about creating infinite content through user-made content. Yeah, with the, uh, with the Mario Maker and with a couple of other things. Yeah, yeah. I guess Nintendo haven't done. Now, as you say, it's like uh, very much still reserved by the indie space because it's yeah. easier. Yeah, and it's not Nintendo... really showing off your skills. It's showing off your skills and resources. Yeah, and Nintendo's it, uh... always so. Um... I guess Mario 35, I guess that would be, someone Someone in chat mentioned that, that would be the closest thing. That game doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> Which one was they, that? They, that was the, uh, the, the free downloadable game for Switch that was like a Mario sort of like randomly generated levels and you play in multiplayer and see how far you can get on like a traditional original 8-bit oh. Super Mario level. But they, the, they closed the game the, down after a year. Was that the Battle Royale one? Yeah, yeah, where you were, there was like 35 people, I think, in or a certain number of people in each match. Like, they did a Tetris one, the same thing, too, and yeah. you can see as everyone kind of slowly yeah, loses out on it. I think I tried that out. I, I seemed to think, I seem to remember it was just like the levels for Super Mario 1, but I guess those levels were generic enough, you could mistake them for procedural uh, to levels. To where you could kind of get tricked on them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess Nintendo kind of puts so much stock into their handcraftedness of things. Um Mm. That that kind of core Nintendo franchises don't really um, yeah. don't really do that too much. I remember, apropos of nothing, I remember when I was trying out the the Gears of War multiplayer mode at uh, mm. E3 2019. The Gears of War Five was going to have. And I remember yeah. thinking, I remember asking someone if the levels were procedurally generated. 
because they seem like they uh, they could have been. They Do you were think so, they take that as an insult if you said it? Well, they gave me a funny look and said no, but uh, <laughs> I'd have believed them if they said yes because they were so yeah. like dull and corridory and generic yeah. and, ta- and like sort of tangly. It's interesting that like a big AAA shooter hasn't tried that yet. Like that, there's not a just give me a procedurally generated Halo level and let me go through and run around and shoot it, or give me a procedurally generated Doom level and let me run around and, and blast things. Might have done that. I can't remember I, it off my head. Yeah. As I said, I can only think of Bloodborne having it as a thing on the side, and I assumed from that that other AAA games might have tried that. Yeah, I'm curious if those Chalice dungeons informed them at all of or they used sort of an algorithm like that to create all those little mini caves and dungeons and mines and stuff in um elden ring i feel like when you're making like an open world game there's a lot of studios that will use an algorithm to generate a lot of the map if, even if it's supposed to be a give it like a human pass afterwards yeah i'm pretty i'm yeah. almost certain ubisoft did that with a lot of the Far Cry games because i remember them like showing off uh, their level creator and a lot of it was procedural they just like like draw a shape for an island and all the like the plants and the everything would just grow up automatically from an algorithm maybe yeah. even like bases as well and like buildings yeah that's really uh it's really impressive i have to imagine also some of the older like uh the older elden uh not elden ring uh elder scrolls games that were bragging about how oh uh, yeah like how massive Hall. their worlds are yeah like there's no way a human was handcrafting all that right no 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 yeah. I mean, I remember they made the posters when the Elite came out that it was created from a relatively simple algorithm. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I guess we're going to see, again, the algorithm in action when it comes to uh, Starfield coming up next year. Um, how they said mm. there's, however, hundreds of planets, but it's very clear that, you know, um, I assume some are going to be important and handcrafted, and a lot of them are just going to be big old boring planets. Fair enough. Shall we super yeah. chat it up? Let's super chat it up. I feel like uh, yeah, we're thank sort you to everyone who's ambling along the topic at the moment. So perhaps yeah. some kind of things. And I think folks have a lot of interesting things to say. So yeah, remember if you if you have any any comments, concerns, if you want to teach us about roguelikes, because I'm sure some of you play more and know more about them than we do. Uh, yeah, get those get those chats in, folks. All right then, Andrew Hickenbottom kicks us off with two pounds, saying, "Doctor, turn off my bank inhibitors." referencing Metal Gear Revengeance, which is the thing we're going to play if we get enough money. Incredible. Well done, Andrew. Uh, Rob Mace, member for three months, says, have to leave early. So, favourite roguelites stroke likes. Well, I I mentioned Binding of Isaac constantly. I've always liked Rogue Legacy, and then I played Rogue Legacy 2, and I liked that more. So I'd start with Rogue Legacy 2 these days. Rogue Legacy, I think, was my first. I mean, Toe Jam Earl aside, was probably my first one I really got into and actually finished. Um, yeah, I yeah, like it because I like uh, the old 2D Castlevanias. And yeah, that's what yeah. Rogue Legacy plays like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I really loved, uh, obviously, Hades. Uh, played a shit ton of Loop Hero, which I really liked. Um, mm. And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very, I'm very curious about Cult of the Lamb. I only played the demo a few months ago, and I was gonna futz around with our PC copy, but I'm like, ah, it's gonna come out in a few days, and I'll just buy it. On I was getting into it. I guess I won't spoil my review, but I feel like it's lacking in several areas. Not enough cults I mean, it's or got, lambs. It's got the thing that makes you keep going. 
but um, I remember I was watching like a talk about Deus Ex the other day, and they were talking about how it couldn't compete with any of its rival games individually. Like it couldn't, as a stealth game, it couldn't compete with Thief. As a shooter, it couldn't compete with Quake, and as a RPG, it couldn't compete with Baldur's Gate. Mm-hmm. But it was just the fact that it was combining all those elements that it had to. It, it all it needed to do was just sort of get by in each one, so that they could all feed into each other. And that's kind of what I feel like about Cult of the Lamb. It's not really. It couldn't compete with a roguelike dungeon crawler, and it couldn't compete with a good city management sim. But it's the fact that it's blurring the lines between them, where it's hoping to like create its impact. Yeah, it's hard to be. It's hard for a game that does multiple things to be very good at the both things. Um, I think one of the few examples I can think of is uh, Batman Arkham Asylum, in that it was very good at both stealth and melee combat. And if you fucked up one and had to do the other, it still felt like you would like you could pretend you'd meant to do that. Yeah, it wasn't like Splinter Cell where you're like, ah, shit, I got spotted. Now I should just die and, and uh, yeah, you know, restart. Does you both you feel awesome like beating the Predator missions, and you feel awesome like beating the shit out of all the cards in a big crowd? So you don't mind yeah. so much if you fuck up the stealth. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of stealth games. Yeah, because I don't feel like that in Dishonored. Like if no. I'm going a stealthy run through Dishonored and I get caught, everything goes to high hell. Well, in Thief, but- the combat was specifically designed to be shitty to like. To bring across the fact that you weren't supposed to be relying yeah, on combat. Yeah, yeah. I thought Phantom Pain did a pretty good job of, like, I would try to be sneaky, but then if all hell broke loose, I had enough tools in my arsenal, at least far mm-hmm. enough in the game, that, that you could get through any encounter. Um, moving on. Amy Dean, welcome to bonus content. Welcome, uh, Amy. No comment. Moister Cloister Hoist Air gives five euros and says, Yahtzee, living in California, have you spotted any celebrities yet? Or do I have a wrong picture of CA in my head? Not in Northern California, and certainly not away from San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm in the East Bay. Uh, I think someone mentioned, like, there was, like, some famous basketball player that used to live near where I live. That's about uh, as close as I get yeah. to it in my daily life. I've met celebrities, have- but then I've gone to conventions and shit. Yeah. I've had a decent amount, when I was in San Francisco proper, I had a decent amount of, like, random, like, Mark Ruffalo lived in in North Beach in San Francisco, and so he, was, he would bum around, like, restaurants and, and books there. That's the guy who played uh, yeah, the yeah. Hulk. Yeah. Um, John Waters was used to frequent one of my favorite bars. Him and his hmm. weird pencil mustache. That was nice. I remember one time when I was living in Brisbane, uh, and there'd just been, like, Brisbane's big science fiction convention, and Felicia Day was a guest. And Felicia Day showed up in one of my favorite bars in, like, the city center, where I used to, like, hang out in the evenings. And she was, like, holding court with her fans all around her, so I just, like, (laughs) ignored them and sat at the bar and had a drink. Then after they'd left, I posted a tweet saying, you know, it's, like, convention season when Felicia Day shows up in your favorite bar. And then she, like, replied saying, why the fuck didn't you introduce yourself, you asshole? (laughs) So, yeah, that's my almost meeting Felicia Day story. I got on really well with Brian O'Halloran when we were at a convention together. He's the guy who played Dante in Clerks. Yeah. Yeah. We we just clicked. We had a great time. Yeah. Yeah. Exchanged autographs. We went go-karting together. Long story. 
I, I'm gonna be honest. I did not expect you to go go karting with Dante from. Uh, well, Clark's you know, wonderful. convention was over. There happened to be a go karting track nearby, yeah. so <laughs> as one does. Yeah, we just we just went go karting. Yeah, yeah. What do you? Standard. What do you want? Uh, Phantom of the Night gives four ninety nine to say one of my favorite games is a roguelike and got ported to Steam recently. It's called ZHP Unlosing Ranger versus Dark Death Evil Man. Now is that a foreign game, Phantom of the Night? That <laughs> got Google translated. Yeah, um, let me just. Uh... It's anime. Oh, of course it is. Z H P. Yeah, it's anime. It kind of looks like the the oh, found it. The battles look a little bit like Disgaea or Mega Man Battle Network. Uh see, that's why I stopped playing uh, Live Alive. I didn't really get along with that combat system. Oh, with the little grid-based combat. Yeah. Uh, and if you didn't enjoy that, then you probably won't enjoy the rest of the comic because it's all just like that. See, is that's one of those titles where it's so long, the title is the joke. Yeah, is I assume ZHP is a thing. Like, ZHP is like an anime or something, and then the rest of it is whatever the fuck it is. Who knows? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I'm probably not going to know that. So, yeah. Uh, Scavenger gives $5, says, I played an early roguelikes complete with ASCII map. And it felt purely based on luck, independent of my skill. I may as well have played a slot machine. Well, that's the risk, isn't it? Yeah. Trick you is played Rogue? The actual Rogue? Yeah, I definitely nope. have not. Nope. Yeah, yeah I, I most certainly have not. I wonder if we'd kept calling FPS's Doom clones, if at some point in the future there'd be kids saying to each other, have any of you actually ever played Doom? Nope. Oh, no. <laughs> Uh, Ricky gives five Canadian dollars, says, I hope both of you are having a great day so far. Yards, how many super chats do I have to send to make you re-review The Last of Us Part 2 again? Uh, infinite. But he's not going to... I will, I will never do that. Like still doesn't yeah. like it. Um, maybe if they, like, like patch out the entire plot. Uh, patch, wait, just wait, like, seven minutes, and we'll get The Last of Us 2 remake. Patch on something nice and cheerful into it. Um, actually, since you mentioned that, Nick was saying one of our like uh, future rewards, big tier mm -hmm. rewards, would be like suggesting a, a, like a retro review I could do during the slow months of the year, and I certainly yeah. welcome a lot of suggestions during the slow months of the year. Yeah, so put your money where your mouth is, and then finally make make yes. Yahtzee review Danganronpa. I might one day be forced to review a retro game just because finally... people paid for it. I will officially have completely hoard myself out. What's the oldest game you've reviewed? I mean, not, not from, like, the first game you reviewed, but have you re went back and reviewed anything from, like, the I, 90s? I technically reviewed E.T. for the Atari 2600. Mm. Mm. I'd say... You... I'd say the oldest, like, non-joke review would might have been Earthbound. What a game. Jumate's right. playing it for the first time. He loves it. Oh. Yeah, it's a good game. Uh, oh, Wandan says you reviewed Daikatana. Why'd you review Daikatana? Why'd you do that? It was one of my Moments in Gaming History episodes. Mm, gotcha. As, as was E.T. for Earthbound was the earliest one that wasn't one of those. Was Daikatana, that was John Romero's going to make you his bitch? Was that, that, that yeah. one? Yeah. <laughs> like, like famously. Yeah, yeah. Probably wasn't great. Probably, uh, probably wasn't great to uh, <laughs> overinflate your game like that. Where are we? Manav Sridharan 
member for 18 months on Early Access, says, Yards, would you consider Outer Wilds a roguelite? No. What's wrong oh, with you? Very handcrafted. There's no procedural element in there at all. No. You madman. I mean, literally, no, because, like, even the planets that fall apart, like, they get hit by the exact same asteroids at every moment in every loop. Yeah. What a game, though. Oh. Yeah, I keep bouncing off it. I've tried playing through it, and after a while, I just get bored of trying to remember all the shit I haven't done. Yeah, Nick Nick couldn't get into it either, and Casey and I were very disappointed, Nick. Casey and I are big fans of that. The Other Frost gives $5, says, Good eye, lads! I love me, my rogues, having said that it's definitely more of a design philosophy at this point than a game, than a genre. Than a genre? Yeah. yeah I guess that's what we were saying about it being... Uh, doesn't really mean anything, right? No. Like, like, as you said, it's more of a seasoning for established gameplay loop. Yeah. It's almost become like... If you just say something's an indie game. Mm. Like, well, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Independent of publishers... Except there are indie publishers now, so who the fuck knows? Yeah. Christian Perez gives $10, says, Glad I can catch one of these live. Could y'all do an SSE about the evolution of indie games? I think it would be fun looking back at what was an indie game pre-2010, 2010 2010 to 2014, and 2014 to present. Weird. I think it's brackets you've chosen there. Yeah, I mean, I'm not not sure what... Well, that's all. But I just think it's interesting that you that question came up right after we talked about how indie is meaningless now. Yeah, I'd like I'd like to think it was Cave Story that sort of codified our current understanding of what an indie game is. Yeah, I just don't think a lot of people were there for Cave Story. I feel uh, like I was. I remember when call me an old man, but I was there when the buzz first coming around. I remember I remember hearing about it from uh, Scott Sharkey's website. Oh yeah, yeah, he used to be a one-up contributor. He was great. Um, yeah, I never, I I knew about Cave Story via, like, Retronauts and stuff like that. I never knew about it through actually playing the game. Whatever happened to old Scott Sharkey? Uh, I know he, like, moved uh, to the middle of Nevada and became a bartender. Like, in, like, an old saloon. Hmm. Which, to well, be honest, seems wonderful. Do as you <laughs> will. Uh, Yuval Ben-Ari gives 15 of something. And then I think those are shekels. And then, really retract, and then retracted their message. What a myster- What a man of mystery. Oh. And then underneath, uh, they say, I don't think I get how Super Chats work. Okay. I'm going to agree with you. We'll see if... I'll, I'll, I'll keep an eye out if, if their name pops up again. Thanks for your contribution, Yuval Ben-Ari. Uh, Beast Gamer 5987 member for three months, and says, Enter the Gungeon is my fave with all the gun puns. Yeah, there's You're even welcome. a gun pun, right? Right, the title. Well- you're welcome to have your opinion. Yeah. <laughs> a kinky cadaver gives $5 and says, This podcast has made me realize that roguelite stroke likes are going to be the next crafting stroke survival. Or it feels. Oh, I, think that, I think crafting survival is the new roguelite stroke like. Yeah. I think at this point we need to we need to be looking at what's the next. Like what's going to be the next bl- like blank next slash big, blank. The next big indie groove. Disco Elysium yeah. clones. Like... um. Uh, your citizen sleeper. Yeah, I feel like those are a lot of work, though. Like I feel like oh, writing yeah. a lot of work. Okay, what's the next low effort indie uh, um, trend? Well, if we knew it was going to be the next big thing, we'd all be rich, right? Yeah, I feel like we're seeing a lot more indie games do Animal Crossing-ish things. Like, but maybe yeah. that's look how much Animal Crossing New Horizons sold. Let's do that. I call it more Stardew Valley-like things. That's true. Generally. 
Because, of course, Animal Crossing didn't originally have a crafting element. Uh, Not on the original GameCube. No, no. I don't know when they... What, the 3DS? DS one? I don't know. Uh, Jam on Toast, 89. Member for four months. uh, For bonus content. uh, Says, have either of you tried Hellish Quart? It's a side-on sword dueling game. Oh, like Like Nidhogg. Yeah. Um, Oh, it looks like realistic, though. So it kind of looks like uh, For Honor. Uh, But uh, more like a traditional fighting game, then. It looks looks neat. Do you have a Bushido Blade? I definitely remember Bushido Blade, yeah. Uh, I thought that. that was really neat. Yeah. Well, I can see they've clearly put in the effort into realistic sword dueling. Yeah, it's, it's, it doesn't. The game doesn't seem like they're skimping on anything. I like how everyone's got their silly hats and everything. Very neat. Yeah. <clears throat> Nicholas Cabello gives one hundred asses. Thanks for the asses, Nicholas Cabello. To say roguelike Age of Empires, you procedurally craft your civilization texts as you advance. See, I talked about this in a dev diary once. I'm not sure roguelike really works with the sort of genre that's about building up like a city from small origins to a grand and uh, impressive uh, uh, metropolis. Yeah, like Civ or, or SimCity or, or anything those like are, that. Yeah, because it's based around having very long uh, gameplay. It's, it's all about like building on something. Yeah, and you kind of have to know what the result of your actions will be in those games. Although I well, guess you don't know how the results of several decisions are going to play together. I guess that's the point of the game. Well, when I brought it up in Dev Diary, I was talking about a hypothetical idea for a city builder based on like a giant conveyor belt, where the old stuff falls off and you have to keep building new stuff to maintain your goals. Oh, that's neat. I like that. Wait, is that something you made, or is that just something you no, an idea? It was an idea I was like sort of exploring. That could be. I feel like that could be represented very interestingly visually. Yeah, it could be an interesting concept to play yeah. around with. You want to make sure, like, you've got housing lined up for when your slum houses fall off in the next few minutes. Yeah, yeah. I guess it would be a good way to do a natural sort of uh, upgrading thing, because one of the things that annoys me in, like, city builders is constantly having to upgrade your old houses to the newest models. Bear and Breakfast was very annoying for that. Yeah. I was playing Bear and Breakfast, and you, when you, like, you set up rooms for, like, incoming guests, and then um, you upgrade, like, uh, you do a couple of missions, and, like, you start getting guests with... Uh, more refined taste so you basically just have to take all the furniture out of the old bedrooms and replace it all with newer with the newer furniture with better point scores yeah, I just found that very that annoying sounds kind of like a pain in the ass yeah uh, John Connor member for six months uh, says needs more rhythm game Rouge likes every time people misspell rogue it makes me think of Rouge the Bad and I think of the, the person who put tits in Sonic the Hedgehog <laughs> Need more hero. rhythm game roguelikes. Always easier to make gameplay catchy and replayable with a good interactive OST. I agree. Crypto the Necrodancer is a good game, and BPM was a very good game. Yeah, and uh, although uh, uh, doesn't seem to have the profile it deserves, BPM. No, and I it li- seems I re- like I reviewed it and I really liked it, but uh, doesn't seem like anyone talks about it. 
Yeah, and it seems like the uh, that that uh, Metal Hellsinger, which is coming out soon, which is not the the music is not procedurally generated. It's using yeah, metal. Metal Hellsinger is going to eat its lunch. But, yeah, that's, but that uses yeah. metal music, and BPM uses more sort of driving, uh, like yeah, and I, I do heavy like heavy metal. metal rather than new metal. Yeah, and I, I guess I prefer BPM's style of music. Yeah, there you go. Om Rao gives one ninety nine dollars and says, "Sup, mofos? What's that new thing behind yards?" Well, since you ask, it's the box that my new computer came in. Oh. And I had to move it back there because I was clearing the space to play with my VR headset a couple of days back. Did it, it, the, it can't, the, that's not a square? The box is like a wedge? Am I insane or is that just like a, a point of view thing? It, it's, yeah, it's uh, there's a... There's a design on the side that's... Okay. That's got lines on it. It's a very, very confusing box. It's not that interesting, though. Uh, Scavenger gives $5 and says, Chat helped me recall. My first roguelike was NetHack. Never got more than 10 minutes in before a big monster killed me. Turned me off them, really? That's one of the old... That's one of the old guard. Yeah, that's one of, like, the original roguelikes, yeah. I think. Uh, where it genuinely was like rogue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Richard gives $5 and says, On the topic of Starfield, supposedly part of the reason it's so big is to create open areas for modders to add stuff in without overcrowding the map. Well, good luck with that, Starfield. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, that would be. I mean, that could be cool. I know, I know. Uh, Bethesda fans have have always been big on futzing with their games post launch, so I guess that would be neat. Uh, Clover and Aeneas gives two dollars and says, "I'm a fan of Curse of the Dead Gods myself." Oh, that was a pretty. That was a that was a big one too. I never played that one. I don't. Rem I don't remember it at all. Curse yeah. of the Dead Girl. That's weird. I typed in Curse of the Dead and it brought up Crypt of the Necrodancer. And then I added Gods and Curse of the Dead Gods <laughs> came up, which uh, looks like a Diablo style dungeon crawler. Yeah. Bit Hades like, with a sort of Darkest Dungeon aesthetic. Nick okay. says that Jack did an underdeveloped on Curse of the Dead Gods. So there oh, you go. Okay. Seems all right. <clears throat> Kurt Horsting gives $10, says, What I like about Hades as a roguelike is how much the base abilities allowed the skill of the player to mitigate a lot of the bad RNG. So even if you got bad items, you could still salvage a run. Well, you got to have skill for that mm -hmm. to work. Yeah. And we're not all that lucky. Nope. Some of us are real bad. Real yeah. bad at going through hell. Some of us have dodgy wrists. Yeah. There you go. I'm going to blame it on my wrists. Not the there fact that I'm just getting old. My reflexes are shit. Uh, Bjango gives $10 and says, Dungeon Crawl Stone Soup has been going since 06 and a pure roguelike, and it's all I need or want. Go all the way or not at all, IMO. Half-baked is always that. Half-baked. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like a pure roguelike, though, is relatively niche at this point. Right? Yeah. Like that... Um... What was it called? The Doom top-down grid-based thing that was like Doom? Like Doom? What? It was top-down grid-based like Doom? Like Doom, Yeah, but, Doom like Doom? A ro but like a rogue. 
Doom roguelike. I don't know. God, that's going to bother me. I reviewed it as well. NZK. Was it called Doom the roguelike? DRL? No, it wasn't actually Doom. It was just very much like Doom. Oh, never mind then. Someone will know. Jupiter Hell? That was it. Jupiter Hell. We did it. Jupiter Heck. Anyway. Ernesto, member for 24 months. Ooh, that's a long time. And says, I feel a game that added random elements but did not jail well was Salt and Sacrifice with the Mage Hunts. I do love playing Salt and Sanctuary with randomizers. Yeah, Salt and Sacrifice fucked up a lot of things. Yeah. It feels like uh, Salt and Sanctuary was... felt like kind of a big deal when it came out, whereas Salt and Sacrifice kind of came out and... Yeah. Funny that. Sort of glossed over. Because it wasn't... So much, well, I guess maybe like the 2D Souls like started getting old by that point. When Soul yeah, Sanctuary came out, so much, it didn't have a lot of competition originally, right? Yeah. When Soul Sanctuary yeah. came out, the 2D Souls like was a relatively new concept. Yeah. Uh, mean Mr. Mustard, member for 13 months on early access, says, "Yeah, it's thoughts on Sandman comics, stroke the new show." Well, I do follow Neil Gaiman on Twitter, so I've been hearing a lot about it because that dude literally retweets every slightest bit of praise he gets. He did. He's a he's a he's a big re retweeter. Yeah, I was, I've read all the comics. I I liked them a lot. Yeah, I haven't seen the new show. I might. Don't really watch TV much, as I said. Toddlers yeah, in the house. Ain't, don't got much. Don't got much time to myself these days. Pablo doesn't want to watch <coughs> Netflix The Sandman. Well, it's a grown-up comic. The old it's Sandman. There's some nasty things happening there. Oh yeah, let me ask. It's probably not good for a toddler. No. And when the toddler's gone to bed, I just want to sort of veg out, really. Not really in the mood to watch TV shows. More Bluey? More Bluey after the toddler goes to bed? Oh, she hasn't watched Bluey in a while. The moment she either wants to watch Binging with Babbage videos, or she wants to watch me playing Mario Odyssey. They, the toddler wants to watch Binging with Babbage? She just latched onto it. Kids are weird like that. She yeah, watched, I mean, the, I she watched the, the Cookie Cat episode, and now every now and again she points at the TV and says she wants to watch Cookie Cat again. Okay. I respect that. Uh, Gmarker21 gives 30 shekels, I think you said is what they were. I and leaves yeah. no comment. Listen, Gmarker, you're excellent. I love whatever's going on here. These shekels people, they're a mysterious bunch. Uh, Murphy7801, member for four months on early access, no comment though. And uh, Garrig Kitten gives $10 and says, Of the Rogue X-style games that Yahtzee has reviewed or you both have played, what has had a loop annoying enough to recall offhand? Oh, interesting. A loop annoying enough. I mean, there's some popular ones that I just haven't been able to get into, and I think it's less the fault of the game and more my own anything. Uh, like yeah. Dead Cells is one that is extremely popular. Yeah. And, and beloved, but um, I was personally just never able to get into it. I find I get annoyed by roguelike games if they get too noisy. Like if there's too much going on at any one time. Have you have you seen anything of that game? I believe it's called Noita, N-O-I-T-A. Oh yes, I've played that. Yeah, and that's where like every every pixel or every block is susceptible to the like in-game chemistry. Yeah. So anything can melt or explode or freeze, and so using your different abilities, you can 
just like completely obliterate what the world looks like and what what caves look like um yeah i feel i've been annoyed by games where death just comes out of nowhere and that certainly tends to happen in noiter a lot yeah yeah you just you know take a wrong step and fall 20 stories and land in a big pit of acid yeah i feel like it's one of those games that like in order to really be enjoyed you need to like put that put the time into it and the time is like hundreds of hours and that's not mm. time i want to put into a game fair enough chaos chris member for 27 months uh on early access says where's the roguelite cooking mama so you I mean, can't that... really roguelite cooking mama because cooking mama has like bespoke recipes for everything you do you could roguelite the kitchen layout like you are a like every time you boot it up you're in a different kitchen and so well, maybe that it's a well-organized like that, wouldn't be, that wouldn't be a terribly significant difference uh no i mean once you had figured out where everything was, everything would just be the same at that point. But I mean, rogue. I, could the rogue element come in? People want and like weird shit on their pizza. So you, you have to make pizzas, but every order of a pizza is completely different. Maybe some that's, people want their pizzas burnt. Some people want... That's starting to sound more like a restaurant management game. Uh, that, that's got... And like that would be a standard procedural element for such things. Just like if you're playing something like cook serve delicious where it like yeah. randomly generates customers who come in and want different things yeah yeah cook service cook serve delicious isn't a bad game if that's the sort of thing you want i recommend it, it cook serve delicious yeah i think there's a sequel know. now as well <clears throat> svs guru 2000 gives 20 euros says yahtzee i found it interesting that you automatically made up stories in your head for your XCOM soldiers to me they were never more than pawns with the only attachment stemming from time and resources spent training them <clears throat> Well, now you're spoiling this week's extra punctuation for everyone else who doesn't have, like, early access, you Ooh, bastard. SPS Guru, you're in trouble. I, I will address your comment after everyone has seen this week's <laughs> extra punctuation. I think it's pretty... Uh, I know a lot of people who got really into XCOM and, and, and sort of crafted their own backstories for soldiers and stuff or named them after people they knew, and so you would bring that person's... Yeah, kind of personality into well, that soldier. Well, it's easy to get attached to your soldiers when they've got a whole bunch of missions and they've got like yeah. names and like uh, yeah. nationalities. For me, uh, the sort of the game does just enough to individualize the soldiers that your brain sort of meets it halfway. Yeah, I think Animal Crossing does something similar. It's where they like create something randomized with like just some token basic random elements, but because it's yours and only yours mm -hmm. and you work with it so much, uh, it sort of feels more special because it's only yours. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Murphy7801 gives five pounds. It says, how much for you to review Klingon Honor Guard? Well, we'll get back to you when we've set that up in whatever the hell we're doing that in. What's Klingon Honor Guard? Yeah, what was Klingon Honor Guard? I'm not even yeah, sure. Uh, Gmarco21 comes back with 60 shekels and has retracted their message. This is, this is a mystery. Yes, we've had two different people paying in shekels and retracting their messages. This is Shekelgate, Shekelgate 2022. Did their messages get automatically retracted if there's too many swear words or something? Yeah, I don't know. Are they just going to be cussing? I think you just can't send it if you... Like, I think it sense, says, like, type something else. Be nicer. Who the hell knows? Uh, 
Yeah. Andrew Hickeybottom gives two pounds and says, just review Org Massage and Furry Hitler already. See, I feel like if you have to go through a whole visual novel, like the one joke concept stops being funny. <laughs> also, Andrew Hickenbottom knew how to get around the censorship in donations by putting a one in Hitler's name. So Andrew, well, censoring, Andrew Hickenbottom. They're censoring the word Hitler now. Oh, great. That'll, uh, that'll stop people forgetting history, won't it? It's not yeah. like history is proverbial for happening to people who forget it or anything. Um, but, uh, counterpoint, this could be Hitler's gamertag. Okay. Yeah. Could be uh, Hitler's password. Yeah. Hitler's password. Yeah. Just that Hitler's also sounds like, that could be like the name of a puzzle game, Hitler's password. Who knows Chaos Chris about. gives $10, says, where are all the rock band roguelites? Well, you could just play BPM or... Curse, yeah. uh, curse the Necrodancer. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I mean, what are you asking for? Just ra band. randomly generate a song? That would just yeah, sound like, really horrible. And you'd have to, like, sing along to lyrics you've never heard before. Yeah. <laughs> Vince DeJulius gives 4 says, Thanks for the podcast. Got off work early and can catch it live. Marty is a great guest on these. Keep up the spoofs and goofs and the good banter. Thank you, Vince. Thank you, Vince. We will. Appreciate you. Uh, Bajango gave us five dollars. Says also, I'd say that Noiter is fairly pure in its rogueness. One of the few, I'd say nowadays. Yeah, I'd say so. It's one of the uh, for me. If it randomizes the effect of potions, that's like a big part of being authentic roguelikey. It's like not knowing what's going to happen when I do this thing yeah. and dealing so with the consequences. Yeah, I'm picking up the pill and random fighting my and says, "Well, might as well just take it and see what it does." Yeah. Uh, Lord Darius gives five euros and says, I generally dislike roguelikes, but I enjoyed BPM. Although that was despite its roguelike elements, which were kind of dumb, in my opinion. Well, as I say, it's all about that primary gameplay loop. Yeah. I don't think you can just dismiss roguelikes as a genre because it's not really a genre, as we established. It's a yeah. seasoning. It's a method of presentation. It's a plate. <laughs> it's a silver platter on which your scrummy morsels can be placed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ricky comes back with 20 Canadian dollars and says, in an episode, you two talked about how not to do comedy and gave examples of moments that made you laugh. In contrast, which gaming moments made you cry? And what does it take to successfully evoke those feelings from the player? Well, as I have been vocal in saying, I cried at Spiritfarer. Most yeah. egregiously, uh, when I was saying goodbye to the hedgehog lady. You was so nice. Oh, hedgehog yeah. lady. It was when she overcame her dementia just long enough to remember who I was. Yeah. Yeah, that was brutal. That's that's probably yeah. the, one of the last games in, in, in memory that really uh, really hit me like that. Um, yeah, it's it's because they get you attached to these characters and then you have to say goodbye to them forever after you've made them yeah. a whole house and everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they didn't... Uh, I, I didn't cry. I, I thought the, the sort of... Some of the payoff near the end of Before Your Eyes I thought was really emotional. I thought the payoff... Yeah. Stories in uh, What Remains of Edith Finch and uh, To the Moon. I don't think I was like openly weeping in any of those, but um, good stuff. They didn't really do it with gameplay elements, though, did they? It was um, just, you know, linear story. You know, yeah. The one gameplay thing from Edith Finch I remember is the guy who uh, uh, is daydreaming as he's working on the fish oh, yeah, yeah. line. And um, that's probably the most interesting gameplay thing that game does in my mind. All right, yeah, lots in the, in the indie space. I don't know the last time like a AAA game really really tugged at the heartstrings. Um, I, was, I was bummed when Joel, when 
Plank died in The Last of Us Part Two. I don't even remember that character. No, Plank, the, the main character. Oh. <laughs> I thought he said Plank. Like, oh, you don't remember Plank? Called... Was there a character called Plank? One leg plank? Yeah, suffered a real bad face. So I would have remembered that. Yeah. Uh, Wahuni, remember for 24 months? Ooh, two years even in early access. Says oh. Minecraft Hardcore is arguably a roguelike. Is that like Well, that? if you're playing to get if you're playing to get like the end goal, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I mean it's hard to find the end goal in Minecraft. There is one, but most people don't really play it for that. Yeah. There's a thing where, like, the credits roll after you've done it, but most people don't care that much. I have, I'm going to be honest, I have no idea what happens at the end of Minecraft. Well, play a Minecraft speedrun and then you'll know. I'm probably just gonna, yeah, on YouTube. I'll fast forward to the end of it, yeah. Perfect. Uh, a kinky cadaver gives $5, says, I kind of have to agree with the strange Rise of Animal Crossing-esque titles appearing a lot lately, like Dinkum. And there's that one AC stroke Rust combo out. There's a game just called Dinkum? Yeah, I saw that on Steam. I don't know what the AC stroke Rust thing is that they're talking about. Oh, Dinkum is literally just Australian Animal Crossing. But yeah, I feel like it's a... There's a lot of, like, cozy management games. Yeah, yeah. Like Bear and Breakfast and... uh, Bear and Breakfast, Cozy Woods. um... Yeah, I I think that's as much uh, inspired by Animal Crossing as, like you said, inspired by massive success of Stardew Valley. Yeah. <clears throat> Murphy7801 gives five pounds and says, I'd like a makeup-based power-ups. Rouge like with a French 1700s theme. Makeup-based okay. power-ups. I think they're making a pun on Rouge. Oh, gotcha. Okay, that's good, Murphy. That's there good, go. I gotcha. I gotcha. Gmarco21 gives 30 shekels and finally says something. <clears throat> hey, Yards, been a fan since 2008. First time catching this live. Thanks for all the laughs. Thanks for figuring it out, Gmarco21. Thank you, Gmarco. Uh, Rufus Omega gives five pounds and says, all this talk of roguelites makes you want to play Invisible Ink again. Oh, yeah, that was a stealth roguelite. Yeah, that's right. Although it was also turn-based, so it wasn't thief style. Guess I'm going to say goodbye to another couple of hundred hours of my life. Says Rufus Omega. That was by the guys who did uh, Mark of the Ninja, right, Clay? Um, I don't think it was. My mistake. Mysteries. Someone, someone, tell me who's right. Uh, Ricky gives five Canadian dollars. Says, uh, "Yards, which passion came first, writing novels or reviews for games?" I guess they sort of grew up side by side, Ricky. I've always been, as long as I can remember, I've been trying to write books. And as long as I can remember, I was like designing ideas for video games on my drawing paper when I was very, very young. Oh, interesting. I gave equal time to books and video games growing up. Mm-hmm. I think the art form that interests me more is video games. That's probably the one I feel more invested in exploring. Yeah. I mean, it's also one that you were very much closer to the ground floor of, not in terms of like doing things professionally. Yeah. Uh, Scavenger gives $5 and says, uh, Re Sandman, let's be honest, is the Corinthian any creepier than Teletubbies or Mr. Nosy Bonk from Jigsaw? 
is isn't Jigsaw the a Saw movie though? Isn't that a horror? No, movie? they're referring to a children's TV show, like a retro kids TV show that had a recurring character called Mister Nosy Bong, who had like a a hideous grinning mask with a big nose. I don't like that at all. And they were very nightmare inducing. I don't like that at all. <clears throat> A kinky cadaver comes back with $5. It says, one last comment on it, but I was thinking about it. I'd say the Stardew stroke Animal Crossing genre probably is the next thing with Porsche's sequel and core keeper. I don't, I think, I don't that, think it's the next thing. I think it's yeah. like the current thing. Yeah, I, I think we see a ton of games like this, a ton of roguelike games, a ton of Souls-like games. Um, like... I'm I'm curious of like what one game have we recently seen that's like oh this is an interesting idea that fucking everything is going to glom onto. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I think maybe that game's either too under the radar or it's you know something we're we're not thinking of. There might be a trend towards Paper Mario style games. Yeah, Bet- between uh, Bug Fables, Rainbow Billy. And yeah. uh, Cult of the Lamb has a Paper Mario style visual yeah. thing yeah. going on. Yeah, I could see that. That's that's and of was... that generation where it would make sense to start pulling, you know, things from the. What was that black and white it's... game? Toem, I think it was called, where you took photos of things. Yeah, that felt yeah. very that felt very Paper Mario. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'd be I'd be all for that. Honestly, I like that aesthetic quite a bit. Uh, Ernesto gives $5, it says, Ooh, just remembered a cool recent hardcore roguelite, Caves of Quood. The devs have to patch the exploits every now and then, lol. Heard of it? I've heard the name, Ernesto. I don't think I've ever played it. Oh, yeah, it doesn't, uh... Doesn't, doesn't spark anything in me. Hang about. Caves of Quood on Steam. Quood. Science fantasy roguelike epic. Gee, settle down with your adjectives there. Oh, it's very roguelike. It's got the sort of Dwarf Fortress look to it. Oh, yeah. Wow. That's that's surprising. Wow. Really yeah, good that's, that's That's very classic rogue. It's like right there. Uh, Lord Darius gives five euros, says... Oh, it's still in early access. That's why I haven't played it. There you go. Lord Darius gives some take sanity off. Can't say it. Pretty good. Pretty good stuff. A nice little spook fest. Sure. Huh. Well, 82% of the reviews of Lovecraft's untold stories seem to like it. There you go. Well done, H.P. Lovecraft. You it's hard to it. get a vibe of how it plays, just to look at the screenshots. Oh, people said R.I.P. stream. Back? Got what? back? What? I don't know. I thought it was my end, but it's good now. Are we back? Hang Sound on. off in the comments below, stream. Let me check. It looks like we're back. Uh, yeah, we seem on to me. Okay. Okay. Whatever. We're fine now. We're almost at the end. That probably wasn't my fault. Uh, Nicholas Cabello. Is that the next one? Uh, No, it isn't. Uh, Windows Task Manager, member for 28 months in early access, says, I need more roguelike TRPGs. That's all TRPGs, isn't it? I mean, you make them up as they go along. Yeah, isn't that kind of the... T- yeah, I would say so. <laughs> also, if you're playing something like Space Hulk or <clears throat> Advanced Hero Quest, you sort of create a random map as you go with, like, the the tiles. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nicholas Cabello gives 100 asses and says, I reached a point in Hades and Gungeon where while there's no more stuff to unlock, I play a run just to relax. Kind of ironic the games that are unpredictable by nature become soothing. I used to do that with FTL. But, and yeah, yeah, roguelike's usually good for that if you just want to listen to a podcast or something. Sometimes I'll yeah, like... Yeah, and, and you know it's going to have a beginning, middle, and end, and you know that's not going to take more than, you know, whatever, yeah. half an hour. And you don't have to pay too much attention. Yeah. Sometimes I'd like load up Nightmare Reaper or um, Binding of Isaac and just, if I wanted to listen to a podcast. Yeah, I had for like the first month or two that uh, Loop Hero came out, I, I kicked off every morning that I, I played like one or two loops. No, that's it. I wouldn't think about it at all during the day. I wouldn't play yeah. it during the day, but just a nice way to like start off mornings. There you go. Yeah. Andrew Hickerbottom gives five pounds and says, I cried when Comstock Marty got baptized by Nick in Gang Beasts. So beautiful. It was. It was it was nice. I don't know what this is about. We played Gang Beasts for a game night and um Nick baptized drowned me or i drowned nick i can't remember someone drowned the other one and i compared it to um the end of bioshock infinite when i see a major character gets baptized uh that guy you know gives two dollars and says fun fact rouge is listed as rouge like on steam well what's rouge doing on steam she Get should here, be getting on with putting her tits back in <laughs> i didn't even know rogue was on steam uh, Nick messaged me the super they want you to redo because it went down with the stream. I got gifted a roguelike. Oh, the Lovecrafts until no one heard us talk about Lovecrafts oh. untold stories. Uh, okay. We didn't know what it was. We looked it up. It has very good reviews. It sounds neat. I made a joke oh. about stories untold, which is a game that um, has a similar title, but is a different game that I highly recommend because it's a spooky anthology game. There you go. And I said and, uh, it's hard to get a vibe of how Lovecraft's Untold Stories plays just from looking at the Steam page. And it's got 82% positive reviews after 547 reviews, which I would consider middling performance. Low to middling, maybe. Yeah. All right. I think that's all the Super Chats. I think we did it. I think we did it, guys. I'm proud. I'm proud of every single one of you. So, this was slightly something else. I was Yancy Crucial. I was joined by Marty Sleever. We do this every week on uh, Monday mornings from 10 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, what else we got this week? Uh, tomorrow is Tuesday. It possibly it has some other elements. Yeah, uh, later today in uh, about an hour and 40 minutes, uh, Jack and I will be back. Jack should be finishing up his Elden Ring Explosions Only run. Oh, finally. We are at the final two or three bosses. Um, so uh, Jack is very good at that game. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest. I'm very impressed by how good Jack is at Elden Ring. I'd hope so, the amount he's been playing it. <laughs> but yeah, he's put about 400 hours into it, so that'll do it. Um, Jesse and Casey will be back uh, later tonight at 6 p.m. Central for Hidden Gems. Uh, tomorrow's editor hour is going to be on Quake 4. Of all Not sure things. why Nick said he wanted to play Quake 4, so I'm going to go along with that. Uh, it will be an hour earlier because Nick has something uh, afterwards, so it's going to be from 11 a.m. Central to uh, 1 p.m. Central tomorrow. Interesting. Yeah. And I'll be back on Wednesday with zero punctuation, of course, and the post-CP stream which this week is on the subject of Hell Pie. 
a game that appeared on Steam and almost immediately disappeared again. Mm. And it I was just, I was just interested in its relative lack of buzz. Wait, do you mean it disappears and no one's talking about it, or it disappears and it's literally not on Steam? I think it's on Steam, but yeah, like everyone stopped talking about it. Yeah, and perhaps you'll learn why in my review. Do you talk about what your favorite pie is? What your favorite kind of pie is? No, you... I could tell you right now. It's oh, key no. lime. Oh. Key lime, incredible. I like I key you. lime pie. Eat my ass. Oh Jesus! I thought it was good. I think I've <laughs> like key lime pie. And uh, yeah, post stream. And then my extra punctuation is dropping on YouTube for all viewers on Thursday. Yeah, and then you'll have yeah we have uh, there was a bunch of stuff last week members only including uh, Anatomy on uh, Dishonored in the frame on uh, Sam Raimi in the MCU uh, I think that's live now to everybody Adventures and I uh, episode eight uh, is available for members only and will be available to everyone on uh, Saturday and yeah all sorts of all sorts of great stuff all sorts of stuff something for everyone exactly all right I guess we'll say bye then bye yeah. then bye everyone. See you guys back here in about 90 minutes or so. Oh.